Perry King himself, and you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans, Simply Being Humans. And today is a very, very special one. You know what? I didn't even ask you this <laughs> about what exactly would you like to be, you know, announced as. But before I even get into the, let me give him a proper introduction. Um, I actually met my guest for, for today um, back in undergrad at the illustrious Clark Lane University. And I would like to say, you know, I need to, I need to have a sound effect for this because he is making Simply King podcast history because I've had so many different people with, with throughout the AUC um, on my podcast. I've had, of course, Clark Atlanta, plenty of Clark Atlanta alums, um, plenty of, you know what I'm saying, a sprinkle of, you know, Spelmanites. And for, for some reason, I couldn't get a damn Morehouse man up in here. You know what I'm saying? I was I was spreading the wealth. I was reaching out. But shit just never panned out in terms of schedules and things. But nevertheless, I have with me. Now, would you like to go by, you know, Chessmore or Simon? You give him the full name, bro. You yeah, name. I have with me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a butcher it though, so I don't want to get. <laughs> I might fuck around. You know, you, 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 you a good splash of Caribbean, so I don't want to sit here and and shame your mama and your daddy. You feel me? I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to get them problems. I'm trying to get good food if I see. It. I'm trying to keep right, the vibe right. Yeah. Hey, you already said them right. You said Chessmore and Simon. So Chessmore, Simon, Montique, Mon, Montique. <laughs> the boy a linguist out here but i have with me he is actually um he actually got his undergrad in um in psychology at morehouse college and um also you went where'd you go for undergrad i think i, I missed that one for my master's I for your master's to, uh, american university in dc and i was also in psychology american master's in psychology at american university and now he's getting his doctorates he's a candidate for a doctoral program at the university of kentucky Welcome, welcome, my guest for today, Chessmore Simon Montique. How you feeling? How you feeling, bro? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy for this talk, man. We, anytime two Black Kings get together, it's gonna be a good time. Hell yeah, hell yeah, and it's it's especially gonna be a good time with what you are, what the honestly what we're talking about because I was um, intrigued by way of your um, survey you know, your research survey, finding out that you were literally doing a survey for really with the topic of black love. And black love is something that is, I think, truly has permeated the, the world and truly is probably one of the only, you know, colored loves. <laughs> you really don't hear white love and, you know what I'm saying? I ain't about to put another cup. Asian love, <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? And, and Latin love, you don't really hear those going so strong, you know? And I think because nine times out of ten, they probably already have a lot of things already, I don't know, intertwined with their culture to keep that already pretty stable. But for us, it feels such a, like an interesting topic. Like we really, it's something to protect. It's something to, to speak to because it's something that was, I don't know, uh, either attacked or whatever it is. But tell me first um, about who you are and what made you even want to get into this research. Yeah, man. Uh, so I feel like uh, Jay Z. He did this Narwar interview and they asked him, "Who are you?" It's like, man, I'm just a black man. Mm -hmm. I'm just a black man that made it out of Jersey by way of Trinidad and Aruba. Come on now, uh, putting on for my family, man. I just happened to do that by the way of getting a doctoral degree in counseling psychology. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm just another human being trying to leave the world better than the way I came into it. 
and I found my lane in psychology and mental health, and I recognize that as something that we all need as a human race, right? But in particular, us as Black folk, like it really is made for us. It's just not always done by us, and I see that, and I see the impact I have when I get into those fields, those lanes. So I'm like, shit, I, I'm trying to do this, you know, like long term. I'm trying to, you know, this is the impact I see me having on our people and how I can help. Um, so, I mean, that's me, man. I'm, I'm you. I'm every black man listening. I was raised by black women. I have you know, I was raised by a single mother with four older sisters. So, like, I have that influence um, of which we all do of being raised by, you know, beautiful black women, intelligent, strong, you know, persevering black women. And that definitely shapes kind of how I view the world and how I see things. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, I'm just trying to leave the world better than how I came into it. So, I mean, that's that's me. Bro, come on now. That was good. That was a good, uh, who, who the hell is, who the hell are you? You know, that was a good one. That's good. I did this before or something. Yeah, right. But you know what? I think it's always, um, I think it's always a thing to be asked of that because you don't know. I, I don't know. I guess you would have a different answer depending on the audience most of the time. But um, I'm, I'm glad that you said it the way that you said it. That's That resonates a lot. Um, but so at this point, as counseling psychology, I think is very interesting because I know I know a lot of us need uh, therapies, you know what I'm saying, and counselings. Um, but it's so, you know, it's obviously we're so, you know, so against it for so many reasons. And I think we're finally getting past that a lot. But, you know, let's let's jump into some of these particular motivations for um, for even getting into this world of psychology. I know that you're probably not, you know, in a, um, in a large number of people who look like yourself. So I would love to know kind of, you know, what motivated you to not only study psychology, but counseling psychology specifically. And also, you know, I guess a two part question. How did that lead you to be, you know, to lead into this particular research about black love? as it relates, you know, to psychology. Yeah. So, you know, let me know if I don't answer a part, but I'll try my best. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I think initially when it comes into going into psychology, um, going into, like, undergrad, you know, I was just always kind of, like, mentored, and my mom always told me, study what you like, and then you'll find a career from that, because I, I wasn't, like, gung-ho set on this is what I want to do coming out of high school. Um, so I, I, I found psychology and I thought it was interesting trying to understand people and why people do the things that they do. Mm. So I found interest to it. So I made that my major. Um, and I was also a Spanish minor. I just love the, the Latin, like Latin culture. My mom's coming from Aruba. So like, there's a little sprinkle of that in there. So I felt like, you know, also learning a second language, but, um, so I got into that and I always knew my mom growing up, I, I'm, I'm probably referencing my mom a lot, so I'm going to give you that that disclosure now. But she <laughs> always told me you can either be a doctor, a lawyer, or a pastor. Like, those are the three options. And when she pray over me at night and put me to sleep, I pray my baby be a doctor, a lawyer, pastor, right? So I went the doctor route, but an unconventional doctor route. She was probably thinking in her head, MD, but I always knew I wanted a higher degree, right? Even from undergrad. I didn't know necessarily how, what, where, when, why. But I knew I was like, I'm trying to go to the highest, the nth degree possible. Um, so I always knew I wanted to go to PhD route. And coming out of undergrad, I was a little unsure about exactly what that looked like and what it is that I wanted to do, what my end goal was. So I applied for different programs for PhDs. I didn't get in. I ended up falling on my backup master's uh, plan because I wanted to go straight 
but I ended up going to American um, in DC. And that was a, another psychology program. It was a feeder into their clinical psychology program, but uh, it didn't work out for me. I, I, didn't, I didn't really like that. I didn't feel like that was where I necessarily belonged in terms of the field of clinical psych. Um, applied again after I finished my master's program and still didn't get in, still didn't get no hits. So I'm like, man, like this is the second go around now. And I'm like, is this really for me? Or should I just, you know, look somewhere else? Um, and I decided with, with some advice from my friends to kind of stay in the fight and keep pushing. And, and through that process, I was also able to refine the type of program I wanted to go to, which is when I stumbled upon counseling psychology. I think a lot of times in psych programs, they push clinical on you, but counseling psych is also an option, right? Uh, I felt like it was- Is there a reason for that? Like, is there a reason why they push clinical more than anything? Or at least, it, did you I discover that? Understood it. They always said like, it was kind of like a catch-all. Like if you had a clinical psych degree, you could do whatever you want with it, right? You can go whichever way you wanted to. Um, and, the, and I guess they might've felt like some of the other like social psych or some certain things like that maybe might've been more like of a narrow path. Um, that's kind of how I understood it or interpreted it at the time. Um, so I was like clinical, 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 but I'm like, it's, I don't really, I'm not really rocking with this. It was very like medical model type focused and kind of like, okay, here's the person. I don't see the person. I just see their diag like their symptoms and I give them a diagnosis. I'm not looking at like the holistic context. And I found like counseling psych was the most like that. And it was very social justice focused. It felt like the most like forward moving of the psychologies in terms of trying to understand like, okay, here are areas where we need to improve where it comes to race, gender, uh, all types of isms. Um, and then I found my home in, in Kentucky. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest and I, everybody in Kentucky knows I don't like Kentucky. Like I'm from Jersey, New York. Yeah. My backyard. <laughs> I went to undergrad in Atlanta. Yeah. My master's in DC and now yeah. I live in the middle of Kentucky. Like I don't like it. Like, you know, the community or the, 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 the area with the program. I, I, I do love it for that reason. I think it's very, like everything I said, it's very socially justice focused if we have white professors and I feel like they mess up or do something wrong, like I can talk about it with them. If it's not in class, after class, and I feel like I'm going to be heard. Um, my advisors are Spelman grad, shout out Dr. Candace Hargons. Um, so, I mean, she always got my back. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I chose it for the people, not the necessarily like the location. Um, and again, like it kind of reiterated all the things that I saw in counseling psychology as a program. So, now this is my third year applying. Finally, I finally, you know, meet uh, somebody that's a Spelman grad one, but like, I, I feel like I'm starting to find people that really resonate with me. Cause it's hard trying to find people that do like the minority work that you want to do, especially in clinical psych, but I mean, in general in PhD programs. So when you find that one, you kind of latch on. Mm. And I mean, I, I mean, the third time was a charm, man. Like, again, I was applying for three years. Third time was a charm. I found, I, I got I got interviewed at a, a couple of programs, I guess several, a couple is two, and it was more than that, you know? Uh, <laughs> and I mean, I say that to pride myself because again, it took a while, man, and I was ready to quit. But uh, here I am, here I am. And I, you know, I'm, I pat myself on the back for sticking with it. But um, so yeah, I found counseling psych. Um, in terms of the research, I've always been interested in 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 love and relationships my entire life. All like I, I I can think of like times as a kid playing with toys, you know, and like thinking about love and like man, how could they like meet and and be in a relationship, right, and things like that, and figuring it out for myself. And uh, my parents weren't together, so like I didn't always have the best of examples growing up with with love. But my mom, she was 
always adamant about uh, eventually wanting to remarry. She's been married twice, both bad relationships and divorce from those, but always wanted to remarry. And it was always just something like, dang, like I know your experiences and what you've been through those relationships and you still want to get married? Why? Like in my head, I just didn't understand it, right? So it just like love has always been something that's in relationships has always been something that's just kind of uh, attractive toward to me and like for a long standing time. Then I got my first research experience at Morehouse and I was like, wow, I can actually research like relationships and black love. Mm. You know, short, short plug. Like it was actually, it was through Morehouse at the McNair program, but I was working with Dr. Kanika Bell at Clark Atlanta. Shout out to her because man, it changed my life because I was like, wow, I can actually do this academic research, but it's about us. It's like, okay. Maybe I could find my lane right here, right? Maybe I I, I think I might have found my lane in this PhD stuff. I had to figure out like what type of program to apply to and whatnot. But that was when I was like, okay, it starts to become more of a reality than a dream. Yeah. And, um, you know, fast forward to finding my program. My advisor does a lot of work in, in sex and social justice and things like that. So for me to come in with romantic relationships for black relationships, I'm not far off. Um, and my district, my, my thesis was on, was on black relationships. Yes. Please give us the thesis. Uh, it was basically just long story short, just thinking about like as black women, as you get more and more educated, right? Like your options start to decrease. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? Do you then sacrifice the education level for somebody of your equal race? or same race, or do you sacrifice the race, right, and maybe date interracially to find somebody of equal education level? And my results came back literally like 50-50. I think it was like 48 to 52. Like, it was straight down the middle. So I'm like, man, like, this is real. Like, like Black women really out here struggling, like, you know what I mean? So I started to go more and more into it, and I started to kind of broaden it, not just Black women, but like, let me look at this experience for everybody. Um, and I started to, like, reflect on my experiences as not only a black man, but like an Afro-Caribbean man. And I think that's the biggest thing that kind of motivated my research now is that we still look at black as a monolith, right? Like yeah. when you when you fill out a demographic sheet, it says black slash African-American. And like, in my opinion, that's a misnomer because African-American is an ethnic group. It's not a race. Black is a race. You when you when, when white people go fill it out, it doesn't say white slash European-American because European-American or Irish-American more specifically, or you know, United United Kingdom English American is an ethnic group, and that's not a race. So why is it still that way for us when we know? I grew up in, in the tri-state. We got we got Dominicans, we got Haitians, Jamaicans, Trinidadians, the all the Ians, right? Everybody, right? <laughs> and like, that's not represented everywhere else, and I really saw that. I think uh, coming to Kentucky, and I was like, man, there's there's not a lot of like diversity in ethnic groups like y'all y'all don't even understand what i'm talking about when i talk about like you know like uh carabana or like going to carnival or like you don't understand like you know no shade or anything it's just i started to recognize our cultural differences and how i kind of uh had a privilege in that diversity for so long um so i think that's what generally fueled it again my love for like or my interest in romantic relationships as a research topic so that's really what I'm looking at now is just how our cultural differences as black people specifically, whether it be our ethnic groups, how we grew up with education wise, what our families were like, um, what our education status is now, how much income we had, how all these different kind of cultural factors 
impact how we view romantic relationships. Um, so I feel like I was a long-winded answer, but I, I no, I that's so. that's that's what I was really setting you up to do because I really <laughs> wanted you to uh, lay out a lot of um, of the groundwork of kind of you know exactly what you were approaching because I think it's one that literally excited my therapist when I told him I was like he was just I was just literally keeping him up on like you know what I got coming up and I was like yeah I'm interviewing you know uh, you know um, somewhat of a classmate he 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 went to Morehouse though and. You know, this is what, you know, he's doing research on. And he was like, damn, like, I wish when I was in school, I could have done some <laughs> research on something like that. Because he definitely does, you know, you know, just one-on-one, you know, counseling. But I think he also dabbles in, you know, family and relationships, too. So that, you know, the research definitely is vital and needed. Uh, and I love that, though, because I think there's so much about, you know, us being different and us approaching things with that difference. Like, you could take, even when you talk about in the South, uh, just like when you speak about, you know, the Caribbean, I know for a fact the difference between, there's going to be a difference, even when we're talking about everybody's religious in the South. But based off of what they believe will more than likely make them act differently in relationships. Like, I dated, I've dated, like, when I was really young, I dated a girl who was um, Jehovah's Witness. And the whole thing was different. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the whole not celebrating holidays thing was interesting. Um, just just how very, you know, stark the kind of service was. I definitely attended, like, a, you know, meeting, excuse me, um, before. But, and I'm Baptist. I, I grew up Southern Baptist. So it's loud. It's, it's a lot of clapping and snapping and shit, you know. A lot of hooting and hollering. Um and I think it, but the the difference in the way that people move, because I can imagine, you know, people popping up with a very, you know, suppressed, you know, suppressed situation where they kind of overcompensating because they never were able to like let their hair down. And then folks who are like extreme prudes, you know, all different types of things, even with if we're just talking about one particular demographic being religion. Um, I guess my next question would be, what was I don't know if this is giving too much away on the research. What was the most surprising thing that you found within uh, either the survey or the research that you uh, are doing on this particular topic? So the the current survey and everything, I'm still collecting data, so nothing's been analyzed yet. I'm trying to make sure I you know, get enough participants to give a, like a valid analysis. Um, I would say, I think, like I just said before, my thesis, I think is a, the next best comparison I could think of was that 50-50 split. I think that was really surprising to see, right? Like, I thought it would be kind of clear-cut. Like, you know, black women would sway one way or the other. If it's like, nah, I'm going with, you know, my man's for the education and I'm going to date interracially or I'm going to stay within my race and, and, and quote-unquote sacrifice that education because we all know there are barriers for why black men aren't achieving at the same levels and rates that black women are, right? But I think that was the most, I guess, surprising I guess is the best way to put it. Surprising thing that I've I've found so far in my research because it's like, like it's a hard road to walk for black women, I think. Mm. And there's really no right answer, I feel like, is what I kind of like resolve from that. Like there's really no right answer. Like whatever floats your boat, if you feel comfortable in stepping outside of your race, you know, to find somebody that's on your, you know, uh, academic or intellectual level, however you define that, then I have to understand that as a black man because Mm. 
like for every when the AUC when I was there, I think it when we were there because it was for the AUC, right? I think it was one in sixteen. It was double digit, whatever it was. But for every one of us as black men, oh yeah, sixteen, yeah, black, men, yeah, right. And it's just like for us, obviously, we're like, oh yeah, we, we yeah, we turn <laughs> up, right? You know, as as a young bull in school and everything. But like as you get older, you start to really like, at least for me, because it's part of my research, I start to really like think about the other side, like. Dang, what would what would it be like to feel like you sixteen and one? It's a fight. I gotta beat fifteen of y'all ass before I get attention from one of them, and that's just a chance. I don't even know if I really like him. Or if he likes you. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. So like, I, I think it really starts to give me more validation for black women that could be or might choose to be in interracial relationships, for whatever their reasons might be, and just kind of. I feel like I've had some insight into the black female plight having grown up with four sisters, but like, obviously I don't know everything, but I think it gave me more insight into the black educated female plight in a particular way. Um, and that is, it's not an easy choice. It's not an easy choice. And like whatever side, whichever way you go, whether it's, I'm going to stick with my race. I love black men. I'll figure it out. Because education or intelligence looks different right it's not just based on how many degrees you have cool i hear you i get that i understand and if you decide vice versa right like when it's like uh i'm cool like i'm tired of trying with black men for whatever your reasons may be because i feel like a lot of black women if not majority are have had negative experiences with us and you know that's another conversation i understand why you're like Effort. I'm just gonna go try and talk to this dude who's in my class or in that I work with a, a, a relative, uh, you know, colleague of someone. Like, mm-hmm. I get that. You know, I can't be mad at whatever your choice is either way. So I think that's the biggest lesson I kind of took away from it is kind of like a little more perspective, I guess. I guess you could say. Um, but I'm excited to see what I'll what I'll come up with for this up this this current study. I'm hoping to find that there's differences, whatever they may be. I don't really have any um, guesses as to what the differences will be yeah. between like ethnic groups, but I just think there will be differences between how you value certain relationship characteristics in a partner um, if as a, as a say, Nigerian versus a Dominican, all right? Uh, I think, you know, or African-American, I think you'll have different values for sure. Um, and even just what you want in a what your long-term relationship looks like some people might not even want to be married yeah and um yeah shout out to my you know shout out to my guests from um, my last episode uh well my most previous episode at this point in time at the point of recording um dr uh kenya naru dennis i think um talking about just child-free sociology um I think it's interesting how we have to, you know, we really, truly, within that conversation, we really, truly have to recognize how much we've created a very narrow space by way of us trying to emulate kind of, I guess, just white patriarchal structure. Um, because so there's so many people who are trapped into the idea of feeling like they are less than. Now, a lot of women, uh, unfortunately, have bought into the idea because of there's been this attached value to, you know, being, quote-unquote, a wife. Um, there's just, there's just so much importance on the, you know, Americanized version of the union of marriage. And if you don't get that, and you don't have that, then you must be worthless or not worth much. And um, 
and the reality of it is, you know, a lifetime partnership is one that is still valuable and it's still something to be commended, regardless of, you know, if you quote unquote, you know, put the papers on it or not. Um, I feel I, I I have a lot of, you know, I, I grew up with my mom and my sister. I have a lot of, you know, homegirls. And I tell them all the, you know, and I, I think we, com, you know, confide into each other all the time when it comes to just, you know, what we're going through with our love lives. And we've helped each other a lot over the years. And I think the craziest, I think, difference is how easy it was for me to be a very much a serial dater and um, for them to have issues, a lot of issues, you know, and it, for it to be phases of like, you know, this may work out, this may be the guy and then not. This may work out. This and for me, and and it may be a situation where they may not even get to the point of you know, feeling fulfilled as if like I'm finally in this relationship. It feels secure and it just doesn't work out. Sometimes it doesn't even get to that point um, due to just you know, millennial dating practices. You know, we be talking and you know, it's situationships and entanglements. But uh, I wonder. I do. I do uh, have a lot of empathy though because I think. Um, in terms of just desire, in terms of just how I see a lot of men move around very recklessly. Um, it's very interesting because I don't think that a lot of black men are considering black love until, um, considering black love and like being faithful and all these other factors that can make you a great partner. Um, really until they made some of themselves. It's like, bullshit be a fuck boy do whatever you choose to do between this time and that time hopefully you make something of yourself that way by the time you hit 35 you can settle your ass down possibly maybe 40 you can settle your ass down or maybe if you just had a you know a terrible situation first whoever comes second can you know clean your ass up or something and i hate that <laughs> i ain't gonna hold you i'll be hating it I, I don't know if you be getting it from um from like old heads Oheads, I feel like, always give me the exact same energy and advice. It's always like, hey, make sure you stick to the move. Don't be having a one girlfriend. Don't be trying to be locked down. Like, you need to be out here. <laughs> like, you need to be out here. And it's, it's such a strong projection because it's like, either you weren't out here or you feel like you didn't need to do more or you feel like you don't like where you are. Like, I don't know what you projecting on me, but like, I enjoy, you know, having a person, you know? And I think that person gives me enough joy and headache that I can have, you know what I'm saying, when I've been in relationships. So it's like a situation of like, why do I need to, I guess, create even more emotional labor for myself to keep up with so many different people or, and, and do all of that and figure out ways to make that make sense for myself. Um, what do you think it is about, cause you say, you know, this being a part of your study, what do you think it is uh, when it comes to black men? What have you observed that usually motivates black men to, I guess, not <laughs> do the one, um, I guess, black love sin, and that's, quote, unquote, date outside the race? What have you noticed being the the trends, as to, is there, or, or if there are any trends to notice at all? I mean, this is all anecdotal. I'll say that. Oh, yes, yes. My disclosure. But I feel like, that's a great question. I feel like, some of it, and it's it's there's no guarantee. There's not a one plus one equals two type of, you know, formula where it's like if I find a black man that has this and that, boom, I'm good. He's gonna. That's all he does is black women, right? But I I, I have noticed 
that there's something about particular like regional culture. So, and especially when I automatically think of the South, right? I think there's something about the, the culture of the South and no shade, but there really isn't a lot of diversity in the black experience in the South. Mm-hmm. So, no, no, that's, 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 I think that's very accurate. It's, it's, it's black. Like that's it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you go like to the tri-state, which I'm from Northeast, like you talk about New York, New Jersey type of type of area. And like, you know, we start to be like, I mean, Dominicans are black. I mean, Puerto Ricans, you know, da, 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 da. like, you know, so like there's a little more of a spectrum of to what black is, but they, I think it's often taken as an, as an excuse or an advantage to date outside of your race in some ways. I mean, at the end of the day, love wins, you know, um, <laughs> and then, yeah. So I think region has a particular part to do with it. But then I also think about the main one that comes to mind for me is how you grew up. So if you grew up with sisters, if you grew up in a single mom relationship, like any of those relationships that you had strong black women, I won't even say strong because I think that's a stigma that we put on black women in general. Like, and you don't have to be strong to be great. Right. Yeah. But, but any like by strong, I mean like a, a strong relationship with a black woman um, that was a direct family member. I think that's oftentimes made a difference for a lot of for a lot of men. And I won't say again, it's not a guarantee because there are a lot of us that have had grew up in single mother homes or with sisters, whatever what may have you, and still date outside of our race. But I feel like those have been the two things that come to mind. Again, it's anecdotally, it's just on the spot, that like have made a difference in the men that I've seen and, and who they date. Um, and I also think a part of it is maturity. Uh, I'm hesitant to say maturity. Uh, I get it. I think a part of it is just like with education, right? Like, and I, I try my best not to be elitist in any way, but you know, like some of it is inevitable when you go to school, you go to school. Right. But I think a part of it is when, especially when you go to an HBCU, you start to realize that like, Oh, I don't gotta go nowhere, nowhere else. I don't gotta look at anybody else, man. Like, they all right. Everything I need is right here. Wakanda is right here. Bro, intelligent, strong, whatever characteristics you want in a woman, you can find in a black woman when you go to an HBCU because you have the whole gamut, right? And I mean, I think that's that's a big part for a lot of people's experiences when like that seals the deal for them. Um, and then sometimes it, again, there's it's everything is a what if. Sometimes it happens the opposite way. You go to a PWI and you like, man, I can't rock with none of these like white people or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, man, I'm just looking for my black queen, and you might find her at a PWI because they still in in the majority as as you know we talk about the black race. They still in the majority at a PWI or HBCU. Mm-hmm. But I think at an HBCU, it feels much more abundant for both black men and black women in some ways. Um, that you find that partner of your race. And it's like, oh, this is feasible, right? I think oftentimes we come from our own neighborhoods and it's like, this is all we got, right? Like, oh man, I gotta I gotta find something else or whatever, da, 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 however your perspective kind of falls. But when you go to HBCU, it's, it's literally like Aladdin, a whole new world, man. Like, it's like, wow, 
for and I, I assume that black women might feel this way too. If they've also often felt like, man, it's just me and my homegirls and three black guys for us to, to, to choose from. Like this this sucks. And you go to HBCU and you got a Morehouse where it's it's the entire you know enrollment for you to choose from. Or you go to Clark and there's still a bunch of black men to keep choose from. And those are the only two I'm naming right now because that's that's what we know. But yeah. like I think I think going to an HBCU, which is another kind of thing I'm looking at for the study, I think that significantly can impact your perception of what's out there for you on as black men, as black women as well. Yeah, I, I guess because I, I asked that question because I think about there seeming to be some direct uh, connection to the choice of dating outside your race for black women usually being connected to their new, you know, income status, their education, educational um, level, and all those factors that, quote unquote, supposed to bring a, you know, a, a better quality of life. Um, while when it comes to black men, and just thinking about just, quote unquote, men in a general sense, I don't really find too many men outside of, you know, I guess, elitist circles who are even dating, thinking about money and thinking about education. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and shit, we can see that even with some of the riches of, of men, you know, where they literally, you know, and no, no shade to their partners that they ended up with, but they're dating, you know, people who may not even have the exact same levels of education and money as them, but that's who they want to be with. But due to how society works, a woman can have nothing in her pockets and still end up with a millionaire. And that's not a, 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 a rare, a, you know, occurrence. But I, but I think about the motivation that, black men have in a lot of cases not from a place of always just from judgment but as to how like how how what is it about you know you growing up because i've seen it in so many different you know varieties of people i get i think the one that makes the most sense to me is if you literally grew up in rural usa and you know you we're talking about you know a a town of ten (laughs) thousand or something like that and you and and the black population was, you know, in the minority as, you know, in most cases, these small towns usually are, especially in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So in that, in that, from that standpoint, it makes sense out of sheer exposure and familiarity. Yeah. You have a, a um, a, shit, yeah, an attraction to what you were introduced to when you came into, you know what I'm saying? Into your, I guess your, your sexuality to a certain degree. So I guess, but I think then I see it happening from people, you know, who went to, who went to, you know, schools in major cities, grew up in rages, you know, in major cities, uh, folks who possibly dated on exclusively black up until they got that money. <laughs> I've noticed that as well. It's it just always wonder because I because it's it, it is sad, especially when you look at them um them old heads from the eighties. Like you grew up, if you like was in your twenties around the eighties, damn near everybody who's in their twenties around the eighties is like with a white woman right now. Michael Jackson, Michael, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, shit, Michael Jackson too. Hell, he, he was, was with white women. He was with white women, and and you know, not not even to put my conspiracy kufi on right now, but I don't know what them kids is, but white, but it, but according to the facts of, of what they say, it was with a white woman. Um, then you think about. Uh, Eddie Murphy with the white woman now. Um, you think about you know Van Jones. Shit, Van Jones. Shout him, shout out. He from he from hometown. 
Um, which, but not too much of a shout out because he be <laughs> Van be he be making me a little mad sometimes. But I, I think it's something about I don't know some type of you know dare I dare I say uh, you know this is what the trophy has been for people of of true just life excellence, not even just from a standpoint of just you got money and success. But from just life excellence, like the like you're culturally known and and all those different things, I think a white woman is nine times out of ten um, what a lot of these people have been around, you know, and 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 and, and align themselves with. And um, and I've had I've actually did an episode on this, and I'm uh, make sure to card card uh, card uh, debunking jungle uh, jungle fever, and uh, a former a former a former. Um, girlfriend of mine at the time just laid that shit out to me very fucking nicely as to why black women feel away. And I want to tell you this and get your take on it. And what she said, she was like, it's not that we have a problem that black women choose to date white women. It's the fact that it feels like they're getting everything. Like they're getting like, <laughs> they're just not, it would be different if they was just fucking white women, but marrying a bunch of black women. Then it would be like, well, I mean, I guess, you know, they'd be having a phase, you know? But it's like, they are damn near changed men. You know, like they are settling. They were the the most fuckboys of fuckboys, you know what I'm saying? When they was exclusively dating black women while they were in college and while they were growing up and coming up and all these different things. And specifically speaking of the examples of, you know, athletes, entertainers and things like that, because I think that's usually where that conversation kind of lies. But uh, that was the case that she made. She was like, it's not just a problem. with it, it feels like they're putting us at a particular tier of value. Like, we can, we can be, you know, your, 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 your sneaky link up until you, you, you know, you hit that, you know, hit, hit that real Michael B. Jordan level of, of stature. And then your ass, you know, forget, forget about us. You know what I'm saying? And, and you, or it, better, it seems like you forget about us. And I know that there's some thing about, you know, who's around and all that. But what do you think about that as an observation? Like, there's this, I don't know, kind of inherent when you make devaluing. Like yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, the first thing I think of is, is going back to, like, slavery in the old days, right? Like, when a black woman got with a white woman, uh, excuse me, a black man got with a white woman, he was castrated. Mm. Like literally cut your genitals off right? Damn. So for as long as we've been in this country like that's been the forbidden fruit white women and I think you know this is, this is my take um, subconsciously like we see that as oh we're successful now I can have the forbidden fruit I can now order off of this quote unquote menu the right? secret like, menu uh, yeah, the secret menu. Like I can be with the white woman, and that is what success means to me. I think I think a lot of folks go through that. I think a lot of us black men go through that. And then when you look at the flip side, for black women, they were raped by white men. They were like, I don't want to be with you, but you force yourself upon me. So now when they go and when they move into our current society, and it's like, bro, no, I'm I'm only with the brothers. Like that's it. But the brothers is like, man, I ain't never had a taste. I, I, I was never allowed to do this. Or, you know, however however they put it. You know what I mean? Whether it's subconscious or conscious. 
And I think that informs a lot of like how we move today because of how we were not allowed to move back then, right? Especially as black men and for black women, like they in in, in a lot of relationships, it was forced upon them. When you're talking, we're talking about like relationships with white men and so they're like, no, nah, I don't choose that. I've always chosen the black man and that was taken away from me. So now I'm going to hold that to, onto that even tighter. And, mm. and, and for us, I feel like it's been in some ways an opposite experience. And I'm not saying any either is right or wrong. It just is, right? Like this is just the reality of the, the world that we've been, we've been given and we have to understand that reality so we can do different with it. Um, so I like, I mean, there's so many different, like quotes and, and phrases that us as black men have been given about dating white women, right? If she can't share your comb, don't bring her home, right? And, and you know, all these different things, right? It's like, but oftentimes we ignore that, right? We like, ha ha, okay, but I'm still gonna go out with Becky yeah. you know, tonight, you know? And some some people have their standards or their, their bars where it's like, yeah, we fuck around, but I don't bring her home. Right, we're not getting, we're not going to that degree, and some don't, a lot don't, and yeah, man, I mean that's a, that's that's really what I think of as to why that kind of exists, um, and and that's why I think that so much of it is just educating yourself and just understanding, like not only of what have you been socialized to think, but what has what what have black women been socialized to understand and think about, not only black men but other men as well. Why is it that you feel like they choose you more than you choose them? Like, let, let's let's break it down. Let's stop and do a little Googling or, you know, ask, you know, our, our foremothers, really, because our forefathers, like you said, are going to tell them their side of the story, which is most in line with what you might think at that moment, right? But, like, ask your foremothers, right? Like, talk to grandma, like, talk to, talk to your moms, like, your aunties, whoever, like, and try and get that other side of the story. I think a lot of times we just go with what's easiest for us. I think there's also stereotypes. I'm not going to speak to whether or not they're true or not, but like stereotypes of like white women do whatever and black women will will like argue with you more or, or however you put it, like they'll put up quote unquote more of a fight and they'll have more of a quote unquote opinion. And it's like, what's wrong with a woman having opinion? Like, why does that turn you off so much? Because she knows what she wants. You know what I mean? And you might have this other person who's way more submissive. Like, why can't y'all be 50-50 in the decision-making, right? Right? Because a lot of African households, like, they're, they're like, you know, and if we're talking back, like, his dating history, like, there are a lot of matriarchal, soci soci uh, matriarchal societies in African cultures, right? Where women do make the decisions, and men, you, you shut up and follow, like the lion does. So why... Why does that bother you? If that is the way of your people, right? If, if you know, hypothetically speaking, or like you know, just to put that out for people to just question, like, why does it bother you to have somebody that has a say or has something to say back to you? Why can't you talk about it and find a compromise? Why do you just want somebody that's just going to be the the yes woman, right, or or whatever that looks like? So, I think that's another stereotype that I've heard growing up about like white women versus black women and things like that. But I mean, I think it's all BS at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah I, I think so too. Uh, and I, I, the only reason why I wanted to pivot to that because it's, it, I think it's vital in terms of thinking about, you know, black love, because it's usually a matter of thinking about what stops us from even 
from even, you know, for this for this being even a topic, you know, it feeling like something to protect, it feeling like something to speak to, um, because it feels so, I don't know, like, other than every other group and other other racial group within America, it feels like black people are forever, you know, getting the wrong end of the stick and the and truly oppressed in every single way. So even when it comes to our romance, <laughs> it's still not just a straightforward, you know what I'm saying, situation. Because we see it all the time. Like, you, you talk about marriage and long-term relationships with people of other uh, races. It's not a matter of, like, have you ever been in a relationship past a certain point in time? Have you ever been married? Like, these are so common. These are things are so, but because marriage and all these different things are attached to income, attached to success, attached to us binding, you know, the the goods and the bad, the good and the bad of our, you know, separate halves really makes it even more tumultuous, you know, from black rich dating black, quote unquote, black poor. And, you know, when you think about religion, when you think about if somebody wants kids and if they don't and all these different things truly end up making people not even be together <laughs> and just or makes relationships really really uh bad um i would love to you know pivot to you know something that i think is uh really become a trend and i really have yet to find a, a black woman specifically being lifted up to this particular height when i think about figures who speak about black love black faced figures who talk about black love and they're talking to black men, black women, who, you know, whoever. Nine times ten, they're never talking about, you know, the LGBTQIA community when it comes to how to <laughs> how to possibly have a better relationship, which is terrible. But because it's be, be, because you know, I'm about to get on my damn soapbox because I truly feel so good about you know opening my mind opening up my, uh, just opening my mind to be receptive to, you know, to the to that community specifically, because it, to me, I found the solutions to how to be in my own relationship in ways, because I see how somebody is in a relationship without particular gender roles really mattering. I see how, like, because when you literally go into those particular examples, it's like, it's so many, it's so many things that just don't matter. Oh, so you can live like this? This can exist. It could be this way. And um, and that happened in so many different types of relationships from people who present to be more, you know, you know, femme or mask, whatever. And there's still kind of no gender roles present within that situation. And I fuck with that, you know, um, because I think I don't know so many of the rules of quote unquote relationships uh, to me feel so um, narrow. But. We know figures like Steve Harvey. Now we have new figures like Kevin Samuels. Uh, we've had the Rob Hill seniors. We've had the, you know, so many different figures jump out of the woodworks with books and content that they're making that's usually geared towards black women um, and subtly geared towards black men most of the time. Oh, Derek Jackson. <laughs> and they're t essentially telling, you know, I guess in so many words, telling, you know, women how to find a good man. 
I hardly ever, and I don't, I really can't even think of one. And I feel bad if if it's somebody that's really, really, you know, one of the few women who are like doing good work within this range of things. But I really can't even think of that many black women who are like at that particular prominent level where they are viral all the time for having some of the best takes about love or at least takes that are viral, takes that create conversation. I can't even think of one person. Um, Damn. I really can't think of one person. That's part of the issue. But I I, I agree. And I think so many men who are doing this really don't help the situation. Um, What do you think it is about these uh, quote-unquote pseudo- relationship gurus being black men specifically what do you think why do you think that's a particular phenomenon that occurs because it feels like they pop up every few years like it's a new one that is the one you know that's true i feel like i don't know i don't know any nice way to say this but i feel like it's just like it's just it's it's a it's a facet of the patriarchal system Mm. right where men think they know everything right like because, I mean, the one artist that I, or the or artist, I, I would consider an artist intellect that I, I, I think of that's talked about black love is Bell Hook. She has a book called All About Love. And she actually talks about in the book, like in the four pages, she talks about like how black men have overrun like our conversations of black love. But we are the ones that are expected to love as black women, the ones that are expected to love. So like you're making these books for us, but they are not by us, right? Like, and the, I mean, when I read that, it really just, it, it knocked me on the head because I thought about all these people you're talking about now, right? And it's like, then I think about all those folks, it's like, none of y'all are certified, like y'all ain't got no certifications, bro. Like y'all aren't, y'all not doing a degree like I am, like, and I'm still not certified to talk about black love. And I like anybody that knows something more times than less doesn't claim they know it, right? Like you know, like most true knowledge is knowing, you know, nothing kind of like perspective. So like the, the Gandhis of the world or whoever, like they don't be like, I know it all. Right. And so then we go write a book on it, you know, and it's not to say that you can't write a book. Right. But like, there's a certain uh, reverence that needs to be taken when you do these things. And I don't feel like us as black men, when we write these, these people that we're talking about, because like at the end of the day, like I got to claim them because they black and they men. So like, they're my partners, you know, they came to the party with me, my bad, I'm gonna get my mans, he was messing up, you know what I mean, kind of thing, and it's like, I don't feel like we often have a lot of ground to stand on, we talk about love from the perspective of men, right, not just, like, racially, but, like, like, gendered-wise as men, like, we are, we are the ones that push all the opposite messages, but then expect women to follow the message of being submissive and only staying to one man and da da da. But we are the ones that go out and do the opposite. Yeah. Right. And explain, expect them to be okay with the paradox and then write about the paradox in a particular way. It's not fair. So, like, and then again, I, I just, I don't, I don't trust you if you ain't do your research and you ain't got no degrees and you're not licensed. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not finna read your book. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like I'm at that point at this age, right? Steve Harvey came out when I was younger. I was yeah, we were still in college. Yeah. So I was like, oh, let me check it out. But like, when I started paying attention to like what he was saying, and then as I got older, the responses of black women to his book is like, yeah, nah, that ain't it. I'm like, oh, 
okay, that ain't it, right? Okay, I, I see why it's not it. And now I have like other people to validate. And especially the people that you're preaching to are saying that's not the gospel. Like that, that should be taken into consideration. But um, I mean, I think the biggest thing I look for as well is just your certifications. Like, are you actually a quote unquote love doctor? What degrees, what certification do you have that proves that? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a capitalist society, man. If you don't got the paper to prove it, it don't matter. Like, and if it don't matter for my brother on one end who says he's, you know, great with cars and can't do this unless he has a particular certification and being able to, you know, fix your car, it don't matter for you if you say you a love doctor. You got a TV show, you got, you know, certain accolades, but it's not an accolade in this. And I think that's another thing we need to just be really mindful of, like, who, like, we're taking our information in and, like, fact-checking not just the information but the person like are you a valid source are you a reliable source you know take it because not everything you read on google is solid you got to filter through it so why do we just take everything from a particular author or, or, or artist that's solid it's not so yeah i mean but like i said i mean to, to go back to the initial question i mean bell hooks it on the head man like we talk about black love and we expect love to be followed by women like because they are the stereotypical people who who love and romance are most romantically involved but these guidebooks and things come from men and don't it just don't add up it don't make sense it it don't um i really don't understand i really don't understand the phenomenon and i think that you know you you, you spoke to bell hooks because i think when i was talking about you know, this being an upcoming episode with a friend of mine um, and and talking about that particular question. Um, I think that was because I literally have All About Love right over there in my uh, bookcase and uh, my bookshelf. And um, yeah, like it's like, damn. And I, but, I, but I think I even, I said, all I can think about is Bell Hooks. But she, like no one knows, like I bet most people don't even know what she looks like. Most people probably doesn't even know what she sounds like. Like all these figures have now been personified. You know what I'm saying? Like we we know what Steve Harvey looks like. We know we we can damn the drum without <laughs> without seeing him. We can impersonate him without seeing him. You know what I'm saying? Yo ass, you know? All that shit. But <laughs> but I don't know. I, I guess to me, I really believe that there is this um I don't know, this pursuit that I think a lot of black men are on to emulate white men and white men's patriarchal world but the fucked up part about it is the magic of blackness makes us still add our own spice and add our own flavor to certain things so even the way that we deliver this particular sense of quote unquote patriarchy and energy and force and oppression is still very specific in particular you know hence how I think what, what black, white men will say, you know, well, damn, black men do that to their women and those types of things. And um, it being something very specific, even though they do everything under the sun to everybody. Um, I still think that there is um, something to be said about that being always the face of, quote unquote, what black love is right now is a black man. And nine times out of 10, a black man who is truly not shown himself to even be a great um resource like steve harvey's been married a million different times and it's not even to say that failed marriages makes you worse 
it's just the fact of like we're getting your information from a from on a curve, as if because you failed so many times, then that means you know, we we should just assume that you now gotten all the lessons, <laughs> and that you understand now, and that you now can speak from experience of a changed man and not a man who has made you know so many things that you would consider to be mistakes. It feels, I don't know, it feels like that's not even enough for me, my guy. Like, you need to have, I don't know, something else. Um, but more than anything, I think it's the um, the lack of accountability and how those men are not ever really talking to men. Kevin Samuels has an excuse uh, in, I think, in several, probably a lot of his content where he uh, makes, you know, his messaging to men very minimal. And he even says that, you know, prior to this particular explosion of his brand that he talked to men for years, made videos where he was telling men about, you know, how to be better and, you know, all this image. But it was still kind of glossed in this sense of, like, I don't know, just that just that uppity, you need to be a certain way, wear a tie, very, you know, very Bill Cosby-ass type of instruction. You know what I'm saying? You need to worry about yourself, young man, and you need to this, that, and the third. It was sounded very archaic, in, in its delivery. Um, same way I feel about Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey, quote unquote, says that he does things for black men all the time and for black boys. Lily has a whole ass camp every year. And I'm like, damn, like he's literally training motherfuckers to be toxic. <laughs> damn near. And they mamas. Like he br- inviting the whole family out and trying to interact with them on how treat your son like this so that he can end up like this so he can be a little bit like me. You know, in so many words. And I don't know. I think I've, I've never been aligned with uh, the idea of, you know, of just kind of accepting the ideology that all men are trash. I think I accept it from a standpoint of I know what you mean. I, I, get, I get what you mean, sis. You know what I'm saying? I ain't even going to sit here and try to argue with you. I don't seem like not all. And I, I get it because it's a message to be said because I think there's not enough accountability being done you know, amongst men on how we treat black women and, and shit and each other from a from an overall standpoint. There's a justification for damn near every single action that a black man has from him going upside somebody's head. And sadly enough, even men who've raped women, there's people who can still find justification as to, you know, why he just so happened to have done this act of, you know, of violence. And so there's not even an ounce of it, you know, popularized to the point to where all men are now going to this and now changing ways and now acting different and being different because we benefit in so many ways from very selfish place from the behavior of if quote unquote women do think like men, if women do allow for men to be the people who make every damn decision so that we can overall benefit no matter what. It's fucking toxic as hell. Um, and I love love. And I really want black love to prosper, you know? And I, I feel like it's possible. Um, damn, that's crazy. But I, I want to know, what what would you say is, in terms of, you know, the relationship, I think we, we live in an age now as millennials. I truly, I'm going to start saying this more often out loud and on, on camera and on these mics, is um, I think that millennials have the potential to be probably one of the first free group, like the first group of free black people. You know, on a holistic level, mentally, spiritually, you know, every single way, just because 
within our particular generation, within our prime time, we're coming into so many different things as lengths, particular language, vocabulary, um, certain level of tolerance being shifted, uh, just certain changes, us getting into our mental health. Uh, so many different things that I believe will truly benefit the you know generations that come after us. What would you say um, in terms of, you know, just black millennials specifically, I guess, are some of the good things that we've kind of, you know, picked up as trends as we kind of, you know, approach relationships? That's a great question. I think, I think this is a benefit of black millennials in general, but it relates to the, to the concept of relationships is that like J. Cole said, like we, the, we are the middle child, right? We live in between both of these generations right so we live and we can get the value of the old school if you sit there and really take it right because i think that's that's part of it you got to really sit there and be able to listen and hear right and take everything with a grain of salt because there are some messages hidden in there that are you know pathologizing but like there are some good messages in there like when you talk about your grandparents that was together for 60 years and how they did it bro like listen to what they said work you know um and then we're also on the forefront of this next generation or this next culture of the world that is a lot more accept accepting of who we are as a, as a person, as your, as your whole identity. And like, this is, I think a benefit to PC culture. I think oftentimes when we say PC culture, it's usually like the, whatever follows it is negative, a negative comment about like PC culture or an eye roll, but this is a benefit of like, you got to respect all of who I am, right? You got to respect how I show up with my hair, tattoos, how I speak, all of these things, whatever, like, because that's who I am and that matters, right? And once you're able to start to, you begin to find people that think that same way and it's like, I, I really appreciate you, not just because you're a black man, but I appreciate your whole being. Like, I appreciate the way you talk. I appreciate the trauma that you've been through. That's mental health. We'll get there. Right. Mm. I appreciate, you know, everything that you've been through to put you at, excuse me, the place that you are now. And I accept it. I accept it all. I think we're much more the, our, our, our forecoming generation, right? Or what is it? Gen X, I think is the one after us. No, Gen Z. 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 G, Gen Z, right? <laughs> like some of the traits that we pick up from them is just accepting of all of your quirks, anything about you, right? And I think when we combine that with the with the with the old values that we've gotten of like, you know, you just gotta communicate, you gotta compromise, baby, you know, da 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 da. Like the, every time I meet an old black couple, I'm in their ear. Yo, what work? Well, tell me what what? How have you lasted for 35 years? I was on vacation. And I met a black couple. They told me that. And the same thing, pretty much the same lesson of, of you know, y'all not always gonna be on the same page, but remember, y'all go in the same direction. So like, it's okay to agree to disagree. As long as y'all remember, y'all walking the same path, right? Because that's what's going to lead to finding that compromise. That's an old school lesson, right? Mm-hmm. And you 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 combine that with these these younger generations. It's weird to say there's people younger than me, like younger generation, because I still feel like I'm I still got it, right? But um, you know these younger generations, and they talk about like you know like I'm me, I'm gonna do all of me, and da da da. This you gotta accept me for who I am, and like a lot of times it it's proceeded with the visual 
changes if it's a piercing here, the purple hair, whatever, right? But like, oh, I mean, the, the message is like, you have to take me for who I am, my holistic self, right? And I think when you combine both of those things, like you have magic, you have a beautiful recipe for black love. And I think that's the the power that we have of our generation of, of sitting at the nexus of both of these generations to be able to receive the value from everything everyone's saying and apply it. The old older generation are too old to receive the next generation ahead of us and the next generation ahead of us in some ways are too old or young to receive what the older folks are telling us. But we're at the perfect crux. Like we can really do something with this. And I mean, I think it applies to all types of like context, right? If you're talking about technology and development of that environment, all these things, like I feel like, I mean, especially relationships when we're talking about black folk, like we have all the information we need if we're willing to listen. If we're willing to listen from before and ahead, you, you got everything you need. I agree. I agree on everything you just said because I, I've gotten so much from listening to my mom and like what she, you know, what she's been through in relationships, what she views about relationships now and how hard it is being, you know, middle-aged trying to date, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and it, it informs me a lot. Like I remember asking my mom years ago about body count. Very weird question to ask your mom, but I guess I was like, I just want to know. Like, what your perspective is. Like, what do, I was like, when you are, you know, meeting new, you know, men and everything like that, does the conversation of body count ever come up at your age? Like, currently, not even talking about, don't even think back, think recently. And she was like, body count? She was like, most people my age that had two, three, four, five kids have been married once or twice, like, it's way bigger fish to fry than who you've been fucking. You know what I'm saying? For however many years. Like, it, it it becomes null at some point because it's like, who are you, though? Like, where are you at, you know? And um, and that number does, you know, depending on your lifestyle, in, in most cases, does slow down unless you're really going to stay in it. You're going to stay in the game. Stay stay out here, you know what I'm saying? Going knife fishing. If you, if you know, you know. <laughs> on some blue shit. But, uh... But I don't know. I, I I feel I feel you because I feel um I feel like you know this just that analog being analog and digital being like you said at the crux is such a very pivotal thing, and I think we can really uh, gain so much from it because I think you know with conversations about you know our mental health, I think it's truly gonna be the the freedom for a lot of for a lot of us. Um, and black men specifically, you know, I've, I've been, you know, really teasing this idea of, you know, black men and their value. Um, and I believe, you know, if you look at a lot of different readings and articles and studies, men as a quote unquote demographic have, you know, always usually always have a higher self-esteem. And, um, I truly feel that, you know, I don't know. I, I feel that there's still self-esteem being connected to these external things. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think the reason why you find so many men not, you know, self-advocating, not expressing themselves, leaning into this, you know, idea of happy wife, happy life mentality, but still, but still reacting very, you know, violently 
or negatively within their relationships, either by way of infidelity when they promised to, you know, when that was the not the setup, when they're in a you know traditional monogamous relationship, versus literally just going all out violent, you know, due to lack of expression, emotional expression, and all these different things. I know for a fact that you know, by, through my own experience and just the people around me, that therapy will truly help a lot of niggas out. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know how many people, how many men I know who have never been to therapy, have had long-standing traumatic situations happening through their lives, and all they've done is just kind of just let it be. Kind of just, you know, be like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to push through. But I truly think that that is where our salvation lies. And I think the quote-unquote opinions that uh, black women have to, to black men all the time, um, nine times out of ten, it's really trying to make us be more that way. Um, I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. But uh, but I, I'll, I'll send it on. I, I'll, I'll get to the, to the good old wrap-up. And my send it on portion of the show is uh, my call of action. And I um, have one particular question for you to give to the people who are listening. And that is, um, how can everyone listening, I guess, kind of progress this idea and um, in the reality of black love? Uh, it's not only a mindset, but also an aspect of their lives. You know what I'm saying? How can we support black love no matter what? Tell the people. I guess this will be part of my shameless plug to myself, but... Um, yeah, I like it. <laughs> my page, The Black Lavologist on Instagram, and I'll spell it for you later. My whole my whole message and my whole point is, is, is spreading Black love. And Black love isn't just about a relationship. It's about loving yourself, right? It's about loving your partners and not just your partner, partner parenthesis S, depending how you, li- you choose your lifestyle, um, but your family and your friends. And then loving your community, right? Like a certain pride of being black and, and, and loving yourself. So I think black love starts with loving yourself as a black person, regardless of your gender, regardless of how you identify in that way, or regardless of how you identify um, based on your, your sexual orientation. Like that's where black love starts. If you can't love yourself, you can't love somebody else, mm. right? So I, w- I would challenge folks to figure out your own your own skeletons in your closet, right? Your own problems, quote unquote. I think we all have, pro- I, w- I don't like saying problems. I would say hurdles that we have to overcome in life. I think we all have that. It's, you're already black in America. That's that's a hurdle in itself, right? Like, And that's a daily hurdle that shows up differently every day, 365 days a year. And for how many, many years are you on this earth? right so every day it's going to show up differently right it's going to accumulate after a while and i feel like that's enough on its on its own to figure out for yourself like how do i make sense of this to make sure i don't project this onto the one i love because relationships is there anything i learned anecdotally in school whatever like relationships are just a reflection of yourself right like you start you learn so much more about yourself you do the other person when you're in relationships because they start to challenge you on these things you thought were your norm and you're like okay maybe this isn't a norm for everybody and you start you have to start questioning yourself and don't run away from that you know if it's happening when you're dating if you're in a relationship committed relationship whatever like lean into it like 
try and figure that out. What what is it that's bothering me? Where is this coming from? Nine times out of ten, you can diagnose it for yourself and figure out where this anger, where this sadness, where this frustration, where this jealousy, whatever it may be, is coming from. And seven, eight times out of ten, it's not that person that you're speaking to. It's your past relationships, it's your past trauma, it's your past family history, whatever it may be. And I think it's it's our duty to figure ourselves out, you know, figure ourselves out as black folk, right? And we deserve, not just duty, but we deserve that. After everything this country is putting us through, we deserve that, right? Like we deserve yeah. the services to heal. If you break your leg, what you gonna do, sit at home? No, you finna go to the doctor, get a cast, all that whoopie whoop, right? So if you if you if your if your mind is is hurt is broken in some way shape or form, don't just sit at home. Go see somebody. Go see somebody, and better yet, I ch- go see somebody that look like you. And I know it's not easy, right? That's why I'm in the field. Like that's that's my motivation because it's not a lot of us, right? But I mean, you can you can find us. We here. If you if you look deep enough, you can find somebody. And sometimes it might not even be somebody that shares all the same racial identities as you. Maybe you find somebody that's uh, a teen X that can empathize with your experience or Asian that can empathize with your experience. Another minority, minoritized identity that can really be like, I might not understand, but I get it. I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Or you don't, you don't feel like you have to explain yourself to that person, but the, the long story short, like go get help, go get help, help yourself. So you can be a better partner when that relationship does come up or if you are in a relationship for that relationship um black love starts with yourself i mean that's that's the carry that, that's the takeaway black love starts with yourself if you can't love yourself you can't like continue to perpetuate black love for your partner for your kids you know your grandkid all of that it starts with you you can't love you gotta love yourself first you gotta love yourself first so i mean i think that would be my biggest takeaway if you know Find ways to love yourself. If it's professional, if it's making sure you really open up to your friends and really have those conversations, you gotta put yourself out there, be vulnerable, do it because it's gonna make you a better person. Mm. Yes. To really perpetuate black love, you gotta love your black ass first. Hello. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. You just said it a lot better. Uh, I'm about to make that a post. Thank you, Ryan. No, yeah, you can have it. That's yours, bro. Look, I am. <laughs> down to help an academic anytime uh, <laughs> but you know what i love that and I, I i received that i received that all the way bro um but yes please uh give everyone a way for them to not only go and do the survey but how they can follow you how they can support you and um and also i'll say to what you said is um for all the people who may be inspired to look for a therapist at this point in time um when you're looking really check their profiles a lot of therapists who are you know have are open to clients have profiles on like psychology today and so many different types of directories and um there's a particular um i guess um attribute that they might propel up up front so that you know and it's a it's a two words called cultural competence you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Which For is just cultural humility. That's what we're trying to shift to. Yeah. So you might see that word being, you know, and that's just a lofty word just to say, I kind of know niggas a little bit. And I kind of know right. the, you know, certain experiences, right. you know, so depending on who they are, you know, whatever, whatever, that 
can inform you, but nine times out of ten, if they're black and culturally competent, they're what POC in a general sentence and have that cultural competence sticker. Nine times out of ten, I think they that's just, you know low. They're going to have that box check to let you know, like, hey, you can come in here and, you know, let it let your hair down a little bit. Um, but happy seeking on that, on that though. But tell everyone how they can follow you, how they can support uh, your research as well. Yes, sir. Everything can be found on my Instagram page, The Black Loveologist. That's spelled The Black. I, I, I have faith in y'all that spell that. L-O-V-O-L-O-G-I-S-T. Right, all one word on Instagram. No, uh, no underscores or anything like that. Um, yeah, my survey's on there. The link is in the bio. Come hit me up, man. Come hit me up if you need help with anything. I, I, I'll do my best to help with if you're trying to find services in your area. I'll do my best to help. Like again, like my whole point is, like I said, my bio for my page promoting love of ourselves, each other, and our community. So anywhere I can help do that, that's that's literally like what my professional career I, I, I want it to be. So mm, yeah. that's it. That's it. Well, I, I thank you. Uh, I thank you, Simon, for uh, joining me. I really, truly do. Make sure that you, you can check out all those links that he just discussed in the description, no matter if you're listening on whatever streaming platform, but also on you on the uh, description in, in YouTube to get you to it real quick. You understand? Get to it. But um, but I thank you, bro. Um, and I really, really, truly appreciate uh, the work that you're doing because it's necessary. And I think it's ultimately going to help us, you know, advance and progress within um within our own journeys self-love uh and also community love as well you know um yeah what what can we go without kind of loving each other and loving loving ourselves for real you know it's paramount but um this if you don't know now you know you can listen to the simply king podcast everywhere podcasters stream make sure you like rate and subscribe on my youtube channel and anywhere podcasts are available uh, find me anywhere you understand um, make sure that you if more than anything than a like rate or subscribe that you share I make family size content and as I know most people have some sense of guilt when they eat a lot you don't want to sit here and eat a whole bag of family size chips by your damn self share some of them damn chips so share the damn podcast I appreciate you I appreciate you this has been the soulfully conscious podcast for humans simply being humans this has been Chessmore Simon Montique <laughs> loading up the doctor, you feel me? And I've been Rodney Perry, a.k.a. King, and this has been Simply King. Peace. <laughs>